Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Wee. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every Dave with good Craig, so thing. Yeah, we don't want to let bad Craig in here. Only only good Craig. <laughs> um, how's it going, everyone? Uh, I do like that Tori almost laughed or her intro. I, I like my favorite part of our intro is that Dave goes before Tori, and he's usually the best person that can make Tori uh, laugh. So well done to us. Mostly Dave. Um, so my good thing this week, uh, I just forgot it. Good job, me. Um, I'm going to give a, a, a shout out to uh, a board game. It's been a while since I, I did one of those, I think. Uh, but it's like a family of board games now. Uh, Dave, I think you can appreciate this one. It's the original. It's called Race for the Galaxy. Ooh, um, I played Race to the Galaxy. I, I call it know. Race to the Galaxy. Race Some to people the Galaxy. Some people call it. I've heard it both. Some people call it Race Racing to the Galaxy. To the galaxy. <laughs> um, I'm already there. Woo! Racing against the Galaxy. So while I Rage think against the Galaxy, I can't necessarily recommend it because it does have a huge learning curve to it. It's it's very fun, but it's going to take a couple of plays to sort of wrap your head around how to play it. Uh, the basic concept is that the actions that are available to the players on each round are chosen by the players themselves. So there's like six different actions that are possible, but the players, each person only selects one of those actions and it applies to all of the players in that round. Um, so it's, it's sort of weird that you don't get all of the actions all the time. You get to choose one action and, each player, like if there's three players, you're only going to get three total actions. So it's very limited and you sort of have to build up your engine. But that's sort of the nice thing about it is this engine building aspect. I will say, if you want to look into this game, another one that's in this family is called Roll for the Galaxy, which is a dice version of the game. Uh, I like that one a lot and I think it's a little easier to just get into. Uh, but same exact concept with the limited actions. But in this time, this case, you actually roll dice to determine what your actions will be. Um, so it has a neat mechanic. And there's actually a lot of stuff happening with the dice that makes it pretty interesting. So it's not just like a, a lesser version of the game. It is a different game, but same family. Um, but I started playing this game called New Frontiers, which is another race for the galaxy um, family. Uh, but in New Frontiers... It's, I don't know, you guys probably haven't heard of it. It's based on, like, Puerto Rico, I think. Uh, I've never played that myself, uh, but there's a, a very popular game called Puerto Rico, so it's it's that family of games. But, again, it's the same concept. You get to pick one action that will apply to all the players. Um, but this one's more, I guess, it, it's, it's more resource management-oriented compared to Race for the Galaxy. Um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. That's my point. It's... It's this whole family of games that, for whatever reason, I got into. Dave and I played each other a lot in it. Um, sometimes, like, if he comes over, uh, we'll just play that for an hour or so and get a couple games in until he gets tired of losing. 
Every time you introduce a new game to us, I win the first game and then you start getting good at it. And I think like I I take to games and develop decent strategies quickly, but you uh are you are better at games on the long run. So uh yeah, it's it's just a nice family of games. Um but by the way, some of these are long. some of these are available on Board Game Arena, uh shortened to BGA, but uh Board Game yeah. Arena, which is actually another good thing in itself. It's a free website where you can play a lot of different implementations of board games. Well, so mom lets you have two good things. She only lets me have one. You can have as many as you want, but I do want to give a a quick shout out to Board Game Arena. I, I'm on there. Uh, my friend has got me to play. If you guys, any of our listeners, any of you guys on the call here want to actually play some board games on Board Game Arena, it's free. Uh yeah, we can do that. And it's a nice thing that you can make it turn-based. So it's not like you have to sit down like in Tabletop Simulator and play it. It works really well with my very limited schedule. So I can play a turn or two and then go do other things and the next day come back and play some games. So it works really well with friends to try out these games. So there you go. I'm done. Check it out. Board Game Arena. Cool. All right. Uh, Dave, what's your good Tory this week? You know, Mike, I started thinking that that gag was getting a little old and it's getting tired of it. But then I realized you're just training Craig to be a dad. So I guess I appreciate that. By being repetitive. (laughs) Yes. By being repetitive and telling the same jokes until they run into the ground and then all the way through the core out the others. I'm supposed to have a dad. Like that's right. Mike's training you. This is, this is part of your training. It's not just that the joke is bad and old. It's that it was never good. That That's a key part of it. My good thing this week is I'm going to repeat what I said last week and mention Drawfee again. That's uh, youtube.com slash show. It's freaking hilarious. I've uh, been playing all episodes, whatever ones I can find while I'm doing MMO stuff. And uh, especially want to highlight a series that they came up with called Draw Detectives, where one uh, one of the creators, Julia, she makes this whole like RPG murder mystery setting, and then the other people get to play, and like they always end up. <laughs> it's still drawy. She still comes up with prompts, and they all have to draw things to to fit the prompts that she comes up with. But they're all framed around this story of the murder mystery, and. It is hilarious. And the more I watch Drawfee in general, the more convinced I am that Mike is Jacob from Drawfee. Every time Jacob tries to introduce any of the episodes, they all just cut him off and start going zany. Uh, We've been a little too nice to Mike lately, but uh, that that was a big deal. Um, You know, back when we used to like to have fun at Mike's expense. But uh, yeah, so the the gist of the channel is they come up with ideas for prompts like, oh, draw this actor if they were a Pokemon or, you know, draw your friend with the personality of this Dragon Ball Z character or whatever, Uh, you know, stuff like that. And hilarity ensues. And just the chemistry that all the cast have together and their personalities uh, really make it a joy to watch. Neat. Uh, So my good thing this week is uh, we have officially entered the spooky month we technically did last week but i wasn't paying attention 
Uh, so I'm going to talk about one of my favorite horror movies. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the horror genre in general, but there's a few that that meet meet my standards. Uh, so the first one I'm going to talk about is a movie called Frailty. It's directed by Bill Paxton. It stars Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Powers Booth, Jeremy Sumter, and the sort of the core premise is what if your dad hallucinated or had a vision or something that turned him into a serial killer. Like, the majority of the movie is sort of from the perspective of uh, this kid, Fenton, whose dad gets a vision that he has to go, like, hunt down and kill very specific people. Does the dad still tell bad jokes while killing people? I don't think so. Maybe like, I don't remember any. Let me ask you a question. I mean, there is an axe, actually. Uh, it has the name Otis uh, inscribed on the handle. Like the elevator? O-T-I-S, Otis. Like the elevator. All right. Uh, Maybe he's like, you'll get a rise out of this axe. It's Bill, Pact- Bill Paxton's rise. directorial debut. And, oh, how about this? Uh, my Otis axe will... Ascend you into the afterlife. Rah. This is coming up with bad serial murder sad jokes. Keep working on it. No, that's the point. So is this the fastest Craig, that we take, went all psycho in, in an episode? Like take we're getting good Craig. things, and Dave's making us look good. Oh my gosh, it's true. Anyway, frailty, really good movie. Definitely watch it. Um, I feel like not enough people know that this movie exists, but it's phenomenal. It's really good. So, Tori, what's your good Tori, this Tori? Tori? <laughs> um, so I previously used as a good thing the first episode of Reservation Dogs. I, I have now seen two more episodes, and so that's my good thing again. You guys, this show is so good. I mean, I think it's good. I don't know if everybody else is going to think it's good, but as, as a Native American person... I laughed so hard I couldn't breathe. It was so funny. I just it it's so good. It's so it's so accurate and so true to life. Like the second episode takes place entirely in an Indian clinic, um, which are the the tribally run hospitals. And guys, I was born in one of those, and like it's so accurate. It was scary accurate. It was <laughs> it was so funny. And just, I love it. I don't know if everybody else is going to get the humor. Like, my my white sister-in-law totally thinks it's stupid and doesn't think the show (laughs) is any good. But um, I love this show, and I can't wait to watch more. Um, I do not have Hulu, so I'm watching it with a friend, and I am at her mercy. Um, But um, so good. It's so good. Yes, I I can back this up. I've now seen the entire first season. It's phenomenal. Very, very good show. Uh, caveat that I did go to high school in a like fairly large native population area, so I I got a lot of that culture in high school. I mean, so was... I, I was texting my my parents and my brother, and I was like, "Have you seen this show?" And they were like, "Yes, we've seen the whole thing." And uh, we we were just texting back and forth, just repeating all of the jokes, <laughs> and oh, it was so funny! It was so funny. So yeah, there's there's like a baseline familiarity there for me that I don't know that other people will get. I don't know. I don't know how well it translates. Well, at any rate, 
if you want to see what my life is like, <laughs> go ahead and watch that show because it was filmed in the town right next to me and um, so much of it is accurate. All right. Uh, so, Dave. It me. I believe some chapters were read this week. Uh, yeah, this week we're covering chapters 11 through 13 of The Bands of Mourning by Brandon Sanderson. Any questions? Yes. What are the Bands of Mourning? Uh, they're like these, um, these bracelets, like, you know, the kind you make at summer camp. I made like infinity of them at summer camp. Um, not in 2020, of course, but, uh, a few years back, but these ones are made out of Farukami. Um, they're made and, out of the metal Farukami. And some old hairy, uh, goat herder, uh, used to wear them and his sweat like soaked through all of them. And people are trying to extract the sweat out of these uh, wristbands. I'm, I'm just uh, picturing them as those like woven uh, thread friendship bracelets. Yeah, friendship bracelets of mourning. I think and now the, anyone the reading the book for the first time has had it spoiled for them. Sorry, guys. Now you know, bands of mourning are a friendship bracelet of Rashik. Rashik. Who's <laughs> Rashik? Rashik. I don't know. Maybe Ray I've been saying it wrong. Rayshek. One of those is correct. Good luck. Uh, I mean, they, yes. they all came out of Craig's mouth, so they might, might not be. Tori. I, I've been saying Rayshek. Yes, it's Rayshek. I, I was trying to remember uh, the name of the not Rayshek guy. The one the, that the, the guy that was mentioned in the first book. The guy that they thought was Lord Ruler in the first book before it was revealed to be Rayshek. I can I never remember he... that dude's name. Alendi? Alendi, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll never remember that. He well, wasn't important. Sounds a lot like Alend 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 Ascendi. Oh, that's right. They named Alendendel after him in the Bands of Mourning. No, that that's not right. No. Alendendel. <laughs> that's a good name, though. All right. But yeah, anyway, so the Lord Ruler got, like, the, the bracers soaked... I'm sorry, the Friendship Bracers soaked up all of his sweat and they're trying to revive the lord ruler by using the dna from the sweat that's what the bands of mourning are any other questions next time on jurassic park is that what happened with the emperor in the last star wars movie i didn't watch it me too how to quickly kill your interest in star wars i don't know i liked uh episode seven yeah so did <laughs> i and then episode eight came out and i'm like well that is enough for me yeah <laughs> They didn't revive the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. What are you talking about, Tori? Right, it never happened. But let's let's talk about an actual good thing. Tell us about Chapter 11, Dave. No, 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 we're past good things. <laughs> well, is well, it a bad thing, then? Chapter 11 was good, so I don't think we're allowed to talk about it anymore. No, we're onto the we're onto the Star Wars thing section of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Star suddenly Star we Star lose Bright. half of our listeners. Wonder Slug... Thunder Slug, Doom Slug tonight. Doom Slug Eternal. Wait, isn't Brandon giving out a Doom Slug as part of the convention or something? Like what convention? You, they're they're doing a Dragon Steel convention, and I think one of the 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 tiers you can get a ticket, you get a Doom Slug. Are we talking like Beanie Baby style Doom Slug or like Build a Bear? You put it on the video. Someone linked it to, to before. You can actually see it. it's a big, it's a full size Doom Slug. It's so worth, guys. I mean, just from the description, that sounds worth. I haven't even seen a picture. I want it for my daughter, not for me. Right. Right. Yes, of course. I see a picture of Brandon holding a plush Doom Slug. Is that the one? 
Uh, more than likely, yes. There's a bunch of like fan-made ones. There's one made out of hacky sacks. There's one made out of corn on the cob. There's one made out of Luna from Sailor Moon. That's weird. All right, let's get this train back on course. Let's uh, talk about chapter 11. <laughs> no, oh, no trains. Man. Only yeah, tangents. We're, we're, past, we're past the trains, though. I'm well, scared I'm leaving of wild in a half trains, hour, man. So you guys talk about whatever you want. Uh, um, so the train, wild trains are like the most dangerous creature known to man. You have to watch Draw Detectives. Get it? Because that's a reference to Draw Detectives. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's so good. Chapter 11, Kelasina Shores' party. What did he say about Yak? Where had Steris found the time to write all those lists? Mysterious beggar uses Giltos. Does Lurch need to call the house Lurcher? Banks are cool. Wayne devises an elaborate backstory. Wayne is impressed by Marassi's cheating. No thumping. Every gravedigger is rich. And a potential employee. Alright. So we're at this... Uh, party steris and wax are going into the party and uh you know he's there's the beggar and he's out there collecting coins for hoid and i'm just thinking man there's so many different people named hoid on schedule throughout the years it's probably like john smith for them on schedule there's just so many people named hoid the name just keeps coming up in all these books it's the hot new baby name of the summer how long are summers on schedule about you know how, 600 but before years. the cat ascender. You know how in, in Wind Waker, uh, one of the guys goes, Hoy small fry? The, the yeah, the fish. fish. Yeah. That's what I think of every time I think of Hoy. I think, Hoy small fry. Well, there's also Errol, Link's sister, who says, Hi. And then there's also Temmie from Undertale, who says, Hoy. Well, there you go. And then there's the guy that runs the battleship game that goes, Kaboom. Yes, Salvatore. But that doesn't sound like Hoid at all. No, but it's a fun sound that plays in my head <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> it is stuck with me, yes. I agree, Mike. Alright. Um, so Wax isn't very fond of Yak for some reason. Of Alamancer Yak fame, I assume. He called him... He Actually, he's called like... Basically thinks all the the nobles are fops and they're like, oh, venturesome. But then he's like, well, at least at least that that jerk Jack Yak he leaves his house once in a while at least. That yerk Yak, um, and yeah, he he thinks higher of Yak than like every other noble he's met. I guess that's a compliment. So Steris has written tons and tons and tons of lists and. I have a, a theory. It's not probably true, but Steris doesn't sleep. She stays up all night writing lists, apparently. So where does she? If she, I mean, where, where does she get the time? She doesn't sleep. But how does she not sleep? She could be compounding bronze. If you think about it, she's secretly a seeker and a bronze fairing. Actually, I don't know if do the harms have. Terrace blood in them? What if? I mean, other than being alamancers, they have alamancer blood. They don't. I don't think they have. They have. But so if you, but anyway, if you can compound bronze, then you basically would never have to sleep, right? It's like if you compound atium, you never age. Well, if you compound bronze, you always have energy and don't need to sleep. I have an alternate theory. Uh, So in a commensurate tech period on our world. 
Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. So maybe she's just on coke all the time without actually realizing it's a thing. Uh. Or she actually does sleep at some point. She's just really good at coming up with lists. Or there's a speed bubble involved. Why am I the person of reason on this podcast? Why did she have a cat? Mm, no. Bendeloy, but that's where would she get it all? She's a or, noble. She got money. Or uh, they actually I have fairly have advanced money. pharmacology available on Scadrill, and she's getting treatment for her ADHD and is just microdosing meth. Plausible, but I don't see Sanderson writing that. So, uh, anyways. Hoyd's collecting donations for Hoyd. Wax gives him some money, and Hoyd's like, here's your change, sir. And he throws a coin back at his face, and it's a weird coin for some reason. I forget why the coin was weird, but it, it'll come back, maybe. Chekhov's coin. Maybe we should check on that coin next chapter. And then Lurch. I mean, I think that's referencing the butler from the Adams family, and he needs to call that house. Lurch her to pull everyone's medals away or something? I don't know. I I wrote this Uh, like six months ago. Wax was being informed that he was not allowed to bring weapons into the party. And it's like, did you actually remove all your weapons, sir? Or do I need to call an Alamancer to check you for metal? Yeah. So Lurch has to call the house Lurcher. And Wax's counter-argument was, um, I'm, I'm deputized. I'm the guy you want armed in here. Is he deputized in New Saran? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, that is what we call in the biz a lie. Yeah, these guys don't seem to like Elendelians very much. Possibly specifically dislike Wax. Uh, in fact, he's at this party as an ambassador, so... Yeah, yeah, so he has diplomatic immunity. Let him have his guns. Diplomatic immunity! You've been immunized diplomatically. It's like, uh... You you have to pronounce it like fatality on Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Diplomacy. Diplomacy. Alright, that one, put that one in the commercial. (laughs) Um, it reminds me of Gangplank from League of Legends. He has a gun, and it's the move that you use to, uh... He's a pirate with a gun, and when you shoot your gun, the move is called parlay, which is basically diplomacy, but with a gun. Actually, it's called parlay! Uh, I like that you clarified that someone named Gangplank is a pirate, because, you know, I was thinking he was a ninja. There are also ninjas in that game. There are everything in that game. Uh, every So, Marasi and Wayne go to the bank to try to find some records on gravediggers and find out which gravedigger came up, has recently uh, had a, a a windfall, or recently mis- had made some mysterious, 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 mysterious deposits, and yeah, all of them, all of the, all of the grave diggers are rich. Well, wait a second. <laughs> so it's a lucrative business. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not stealing from anybody living. <laughs> it's true. It's not a crime if it, nobody, no crime. Wait a minute. Wait, there's only body. There's There's no jewels, only body. (laughs) Oh, but I like jewels. See, the victims aren't likely to report the theft. No. 
maybe. And, it, and if I, they do, I, you've got bigger problems. <laughs> oh man, don't steal from zombies. They might diplomize you, deputize, diplomatize. Oh my right. gosh, I just remembered. Hang on, wait. I just remembered there was what was that book? It, Undead and Unwed, and so it starts off with this lady, Betsy. She's having a very bad day. Like, she got fired, and her cat ran away, and when she went out into the blizzard to try and catch her cat, she got hit by a truck and she died. And then she woke up in the funeral home with the most hideous shoes, and and she's a vampire. And so there's this whole series about (laughs) Queen Betsy the vampire, but she's a a blonde and an airhead, and she loves shoes. But, so, yeah, that, that, sorry, I just thought of that just now. And she's a vampire. Although there there aren't any vampires in League of Legends, there is a hemomancer who's basically a vampire named Vladimir, of course, and he's effectively a vampire, but he's not undead. He's like a mage that has vampire powers through magic. Oh no, he's named Vlad. He's clearly not a vampire. No, no, he's a hemomancer. Yeah, hemomancer. Sure, yeah, of course. Anything else on uh, blonde vampire lady? Yeah, where did I disconnect? Uh, out in a storm, hit shoes. by a truck, love shoes, fade out. It, but no, it was, no yeah, wink, it, because she's yeah. undead and unwed. It it was a funny story, and I hadn't thought of it in years, and I thought of it just now, so I wanted to share there. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, they're, all of the grave diggers are grave robbers, and they, any one of them might have relur spike. That's the end of chapter 11. Chapter 12. Wax doesn't need to bring his gun to a dagger-staring fight. It's funny they call the Inquisitors Wraith. Lucky coin. Steris thinks Wayne is startlingly human. Practice convo with Gabe. Interrupting dancer. Moo. Is that a joke? Or is that just... Probably not. Knock, knock. Never. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Dude, it's Halloween. I'm not answering the door. Moo. Wow, Craig, I can't believe you fell for that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, three crashers. Are crashers alamancers? Or are yes, they... uh, it's yeah, the, it's a... Wax's combo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Do all the combos have names? Or do yes. I have to come up with 256 of them? <laughs> they all have names. We haven't heard most of them. Okay, so I do get to come up with 240-some names. To Wayne trying to yeah, re- if you want remember to. what all they... All of them were or something. I mean, um, I, have, I have to assume that eventually we'll get an Ars Arcanum that is just that. A giant entire of all the combinations. Arcanum. So wait, was Chris in the last week's chapters or did you not tell me that? Uh, we didn't answer, but once we get there, I'll I'll happily do so. Once we get to Arcanum Unbounded? No, once we get to you recounting a person showing up and asking wax stuff like right now oh did we not get there i, th- I thought that was i thought we covered that in last week's episode it's coming up bullet point with the that's actually the it's actually the next bullet point yes. it, it's hang on it's <laughs> my next bullet point i said three crashers okay is this dance actually an ama and then in parentheses, I wrote, wait, is this Chris? Uh, yes, this is Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, the dance is basically an AMA with Chris trying to 
find out finer details about Alan Mancian combining uh that's what the three crashers were because Chris knows you know Chris knows the three like there are three known crashers which yeah. is that comp and Chris knows about them of course uh, um, I, I believe like this are... is this is our first time actually seeing Chris on page sure like we've had we've had yeah, stuff from her we've that. had references about her we've um, seen Nas and this came out before White Sand right yes yeah, yeah. so yeah and I yes, feel like we these have were all questions that people ask Brandon, like just about the combination. And he's like, I'm just going to put it in the book and have Chris ask him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why this dance is an AMA. There are all the questions that fans posted on Reddit and <laughs> Brandon's trying to answer. Them. <laughs> hey, Glenn, it's Marvin, your cousin, Marvin Miller. You know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, have you been to New Saran? I think they like invented jazz or something. I don't remember. What is Redshift? I looked that up. It's uh, something to do with optics. Uh, it's, it's light and and how it gets shifted into the red spectrum uh, because it's traveling away from the. Planet. It's basically like the Doppler effect, but for light instead of sound. Well, the Doppler effect is because of the spinning Earth. So no. Uh, uh, red shifting is based on the speed of light and having objects moving away from whatever the the viewer is. Well, I like thought the can... Doppler effect was when the sound waves pass you, like it, it's you relative to the direction the sound is coming from. It's not the direction, is it the direction? I think oh, it's actually yeah, the yeah. distance. Yeah, Tori's got no, it. I think, because, I think the Doppler effect the... is change in pitch based on distance. I don't know if it's movement. But what no, am I like thinking if, of if with it, the spinning of the Earth? I don't know. Tides? No, no tides is from the moon. Uh, day, night, gravity. Yeah. So when you have like an ambulance and it's like flying past you, and it's like, and it sounds a different. Hamija uh, says, "Dave is right. Redshift is the Doppler effect for light. Coriolis effect. Craig." Ah, sorry guys. I mixed up my sciencey term. So the reason why water swirls in a specific clockwise or counterclockwise direction based on which side of the equator you're on, I believe, is the Coriolis effect. Oh, like from The Simpsons when they went to Australia. Yes, that is the only place that I actually know this from. <laughs> I mean, I was describing the effect correctly. I just forgot it was called the Doppler effect and was mixing it with the Coriolis effect. <laughs> All right, so I think the Doppler effect is based on distance because, like, if a car drives by you, the pitch goes like up and then back down as it's driving away from you. It's like, like it comes, it goes, the pitch goes up and then it goes back down. So I think it, that's why I think it's based on distance, not on velocity. Well, so it's because when it's coming towards you, the waves are compressed, and when it's moving away, the the waves are extended. And then it's then I'm wrong. Okay, that's fine. Wait, that's fine that, too. Am I am I incorrect? Hold on, I was reading. One of us is. We're saying. No, that, I know, we're saying. Compressed when moving towards you and extended when moving away from you. Yeah. Right, because the sound doesn't actually change. Your position relative to the source of the sound changes. Yeah. Uh, so bats, when echolocating, um, can actually like change their the frequency of their of the noise they make to compensate for uh, the Doppler effect. Um, but they can't do it when they're moving backwards because when would a bat ever be moving backwards? There's a there's a fun experiment of a bat on a swing 
It's interesting. You know, bats are a future good thing. Like, they're so good. And I feel bad for them that they have this disease that's being passed around them right now. Man, I know so much more about bats now that I've started watching Fruit Bats' stream. I've learned so many things. It's great. Anyway, Dave, continue with the chapter thing. Alright, um, Redshift, huh? Is it's Asterius related to Elend? Because she's at a party reading books and taking notes and stuff. Uh, Poison Lemonade, Devlin Airs. We've surpassed Dickensian levels of appropriate names and are fast approaching the Phoenix Wright threshold. <laughs> That's Don't... a threshold. <laughs> Phoenix Wright level. Uh... <laughs> Don't get my knifely hopes up. Next scene. Why wouldn't you sharpen a shovel? I mean, I'd never thought of it, but it makes enough sense. Deschamp. 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 That's the Gravedigger captain's name. Uh, they don't care none. I guess that's the corpses. All right, so we're at this party, and uh, Wax is trying to get uh, close to Kelasina to get some info. They have a practice con- conversation first on this dude named Gave, and he, you know, he shows him the coin. Anytime he shows the coin to anybody, they get all nervous, like there's some kind of weird conspiracy. And then I guess Chris cuts in and starts asking him all the Reddit questions about, you know, what's it like to do you, do you does conservation moment, of momentum apply when you shift your weight? Like if you're moving through the air and you decrease your, your mass, does your speed increase? And he's like, I guess so, because it takes less force to push. He's like, no, that's conservation of momentum. Um, so there's that. And then, uh, Glenn, I guess, is in reference to Glenn Miller. Yeah, because this is like the newfangled Big Ben music playing at this party. My take on it. And uh, that's not really relevant. Something about Redshift. I think that was part of the conversation with Chris. And there's this Lemonade. Who's Devlin Ayers? Is that another person that gets to see the coin? I read these chapters like four days ago. I don't know. I think I read them longer ago than... Yeah, I read them about a week ago. He was the informant, I think. Oh, yeah, he's the guy that um, gets wax conversation with... I don't remember. Yeah, he's some informant. Some information-y dude. Um, And I don't know when my knifely hopes were up, but they were gotten there. And then we go back to the scene with Marassi and Wayne at the graveyard. They meet Deschamps, who is the gravedigger slash grave robber captain. And I forget if he shares his booze with Wayne or not. And that's the end of chapter 12. Aye. How's it going? Oh, did you have a question about chapter 12? No, I, they was, talked... I was typing something. Sorry. Please continue. They, they were talking about the, the coin that you brought up last chapter that you forgot about. I remembered the coin and that Hoyd gave it to Wax, but I don't remember why it was suspicious. All right. So it has two different metals. Uh, there's an inscription uh, uh, of a, a picture of a man with a spiked eye, you know, death. Um, well, like death. Uh, which they call the has... Inquisitors wraiths in their history, which is kind of funny because there are wraiths in their history, but they're not called wraiths. The, the Inquisitors are called wraiths. Symbols from the pictures that Relor took, the, the Chandra. From uh, yeah. I gotcha. So it's a very important coin. It's weird that some beggar that we don't know the name of happened to have. Yeah, he was collecting them for some guy named Howid. Chapter Boy, 13. 
Ahoy, the small fry. 13. This guy, an emotional alamancer. Kelsina has a ring on each finger, like all 10. Is she a tin fairing? Spooky coin. Uh-oh, Steris is addicted to lemonade. I want to get a scene where Steris gets a sugar rush and starts rattling off math at increasingly alarming speeds. Wait, maybe sugar gives her investiture. Steris drinks the poison aid she brought. Uh, some kind of syrup of ipecac and salt root. Sal root? Sal is Spanish for salt. I don't know what root means. I don't know what ice pack cack is. Cack attack. Anyway, she brought some uh, concoction to induce vomiting. And she's like, do you want me to throw up so we can get out of this party so that you can chase down Kelsina? And he's like, uh, and she's like, too late. Nope. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's embarrassing. And she says, sometimes it's good not to care what other people think. Uh, so the What We Do in the Shadows TV show has vampires basically have that reaction whenever they eat human food. Uh, at one point, one of the characters eats a single piece of popcorn and, like, projectile vomits several gallons worth of liquid into a nearby trash can. How when nearby? I, uh, a couple feet away. <laughs> and when I say into, I mean into, on, near, like, it's wonderful. A live listeners gets to actually listen to the sounds that were made, but our podcast listeners don't. No, I'll leave those in. Those aren't the gross sound. <laughs> oh, okay. Vin statue. Wayne throws Morassi into the grave to protect his sandwich. The end. I forget what guy I thought was an emotional alamancer. Possibly Devlin Art heirs. Good uh, trait in an informant to be an emotional alamancer, huh? Alright, I guess that's it for chapters 11 through 13 of Bands of Mourning by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, did we get a broadsheet page in these? That's, I think, between 14 and 15. Okay, yeah. I read both, and they all kind of run together, and I'm trying to remember what's where, because I definitely want to talk about the broadsheet page, but I guess that's next week. Or, for those of you listening live, uh, in like four, five, four hours... No, Mike, we have to keep the illusion that it's a weekly show. Next episode. Well, I mean, it's going to be released a week later, but it's also going to be released, like, seven weeks later from now. I think that's where our buffer's at. Anyway, spoiler time? Spoiler no, time. we have a whole other chapter? Wow, Craig actually read extra chapters this week. Did I miss chapter 13 and just, like, zone out? That was the one where we projectile vomited. Oh. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really oh, double back over the bullet points. The, the stuff, okay, sorry. Yeah, the, the syrup of ipecac and salt root. I was combining chapter 12 and 13. My apologies, guys. No, it's kind of like 11 through 13 are all kind of like the same montage of, of a party and Wayne Morassi hijinks. Oh, Wayne and Morassi are at two different places. They're at the bank and then the graveyard. Let's be honest here. Chapter 12 is fan service for Cosmere fans. Like, that's that's what Chapter 12 is. Yeah, it's the um, AMA, AMA dance with... Yeah, the AMA dance. So everything else is just sort of window dressing for that very important chapter. But I, I feel like someone who just reads Mistborn and nothing else will be like, what the heck is this? What What I is this chapter? I can't believe I blew it and mentioned Chris like a bullet point. Like before the bullet point, because I, I swear like we talked about it last. Uh, that was so good. That was 
That was perfect, Dave. <laughs> oh, hey, when does Chris pop up? I'm like, she just did. <laughs> She's the one that mentioned the the term crashers. <laughs> All right, well, bye, Dave. Bye, everyone. Bye, Dave. See you next week. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, what do we got? Chris showed up. Hey, who's that Chris lady? Where does she come from? She's, she seems remarkably well-informed. But not about any of the events that Wax cares about. Only no, no, about she cares about the science. Yeah, only about investiture. Hoyd cares about the story. Chris cares about the science. Hoyd doesn't care about Wax's story, though. Hoyd's got his own thing going on. Right, Hoyd cares about the cosmic. Uh, actually, if I had to guess, I would say Hoyd is probably looking into some ghost blood shenanigans right now. And he decides to throw a coin that has uh, copper mine info to to wax. Yeah, that's that's probably part of his whole um, fortune thing. Right. This like, is right right time, right place to do that thing. I forget yeah. what memory's in that. Is that the memory of Kelsier popping up to the South Scadrians? It might be. Okay. Hang on. If it's if it's ferrochemically invested, why could wax get a blue line to it? Does he get a blue line to it? I yeah, didn't he, actually read the chapter. He does when uh, when Hoyd tosses the coin to him. He he burns steel for a second to help him catch it. And I'm gonna look it up in summary. Maybe the it's just is not. Coin also comes up as coin shot. Maybe it's just not invested enough. Like the bands of mourning show up as as completely like nothing to him, but they're they're also like chock full. This one, this coin just has like the one memory. I think so. Maybe it's just a an amount of investiture issue. Hmm. I actually forgot that it had the memory in it. Uh, probably. Like, okay, so when they first see the bands, Wax assumes that they're aluminum because he's not getting, like, any blue line to them. Um, but there also probably is some aluminum involved, just because there's probably some of, like, every metal involved in order for them to work the way they work. I feel like if you mix aluminum in there, though, it won't work. I, I feel like aluminum would make it worse. Aluminum is an alimentical and ferrochemical metal. It is. That is true. What does it do? I look it up now. Well, alimentically, for, for, for it's... Yeah. For ferrochemy, I think it. I think it stores investiture. So, like, there would have to be aluminum in there, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, aluminum stores identity. Identity. So, okay. So again, yeah, yes. You need that. Gotta have aluminum in there. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the coin is actually we look at the memory in the coin in the epilogue. Um, according to the Coppermine wiki, it says he taps it and sees through the eyes one spike and one knot of someone strolling into a village. The villagers are dying from the cold. They even have uh, they have even burned their mass. So that's the South Scadrians. The traveler goes to the elders. One woman lifts her cloth mask. He reaches out to her and whispers one word, survive. And then Wax sees the scars on his arm. So that's how you know it's Kelsier. Which, by the way, whatever body Kelsier uses is clearly changed into what he viewed himself, which is a heavy identity sort of thing. So regardless of what body was used to, to spike and staple him into the physical realm, 
it has turned into Kels like it looks like Kelsier, except he has a spike through the didn't, eye. Didn't we get a word of Brandon on this? Didn't somebody post a word of Brandon on this that that's actually his own bones? Oh, really? I, do, I don't remember that. I thought someone did. I could very easily be like misremembering and completely making something up. That's super possible. All right. If any of our viewers happen to know, we do have a uh, word of Brandon uh, thread that is rarely used, but we have one on our Discord if you want to post it in there. If, I mean, or I can post it if I happen to look it up, but I might actually forget. So I apologize. But anyone can post some word of Brandon for something relevant. So uh, good stuff. Anyway. Anyway, so regardless of the coin, we did have Chris. Uh, she asked a bunch of questions. Unfortunately, I didn't review this week's chapters because I think she asked some pretty relevant questions, uh, but they're all sciencey. It has nothing to do with the overall story. It's all like this is it. Dave put it best. This is an ask me anything uh, in book form. She didn't so. even ask that many. She was just like, hey, do you speed up if you make yourself way more in midair? And then yeah. end of conversation. Yep. Like she. It could have been like a whole Vasher-style physics lecture, but it wasn't. It was just, she dances with him, she asks a question, she talks about how he's a rare combination. He's like, well, all combinations are rare. I'm not even a compounder. He's like, yeah, all combinations are rare. You're rare. Tell me more. Yeah, it's just Chris geeking out. Um, I'm yep. glad he didn't go on for very long. Like, Vasher is has himself established. Like, he's, of course, a main character in Warbreaker. He establishes himself in Stormlight Archives, so it makes sense for him to be scholar scholarly and talk about something in those books. Chris is popping up for the first time um, in the Cosmere itself in this book, and we know she writes the Ars Arcanum, and that's it. Like, it makes sense that she just gets a very, it, it's just a cameo. It's just a quick, here she is actually interacting with one of the main characters finally, uh, which is a nice, like, nod. So... Um, also, it looks like Sword Nimi has found out. Oh, that's Fel Knight. But uh, he changes his name a lot. In Mistborn 3, what happened to Kelsier's bones? Will they play any significance? The bones survived the events of the last book. We might see them again. Speaking of relic-like items, Zed's ring survived as well. We might see those again. Oh, that's that's it. I mean, what if Kelsier gathers o gathered those rings up? to use as, like, base metals for the bands. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Although, why would you use someone else's invested metals? Uh, I mean, are I they still invested? invested? Or did he... I know he sucked all the memories out of his copper mines. Did he also, uh, like, in that process, also, like, suck all the investiture out of the rest of yeah, them? Yeah, he might, he might have tapped all the rings. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Although that word of brand is from 2009, so it's not really a reference to whether Kelsier is using his own bones or not. Yeah. Okay. I thought I I thought I remembered somebody posting something about it, but I don't want to go look and I also could have just imagined it. That's super possible. So does Dave think the beggar isn't Hoyd or is he just joking around? I can't tell. You have you have Dave brain, <laughs> so you you'd be the one who'd be able to tell. I mean, I think he knows it's Hoyd, but he keeps talking about he's working for Hoyd. I'm like, "Well, the beggar is Hoyd." Tori, you've been real quiet for a while. You got anything to add in here i thought he was just joking about it not being hoyd i hope that's the case it's not really important either way he knows I mean, hoyd is related and that's that's all you really okay so the beggar doesn't actually say hi it's me hoyd you remember from being hoyd 
but he does mention the name Hoyd, which I would assume that means that it actually is Hoyd. I don't know. It actually could be that the the beggar isn't Hoyd. There's no reason for it. Remember last book, I was your carriage driver? Well, now I'm a beggar. How about that? There's really no reason for Hoyd to be there other than Hoyd shows up in every book. Well, well he's given the coin. That's yeah, right place his... at the right time. He has it's... to give Wax this coin. That's a memory of Kelsier walking in to help the Southern Scadrians. It's it's his fortune thing. Like A lot of his cameos are he senses that he needs to be in a place at a time and do a thing, but he doesn't necessarily have context to understand why. He just goes along with it at this point. I assume, anyway. That's You know, the most we're told about Fortune is from what we can see Kelsier doing. Like, sort of, I think he's described it at one point, which is why we know it's like right place at the right time sort of thing. But but this is how Fortune works, and Fortune's one of the important meta... Yeah, there's uh, identity, connection, investiture, and then Fortune, fortune is like yeah. the the fourth corner of that, but we've gotten very little of that. So Hoyd very much relies on tapping fortune and doing whatever it is it tells him to do. Um, okay, so Hoyd's been around since before Adonalsium was was broken, right? Yes. He hasn't lived all that time, but he's been around for that time. He's also really, really heavily invested, so he's almost certainly got, if not full-blown immortality than like super duper age slowing going on right right he does have we know he has the equivalent of over 500 breaths um, at least at least it seems that it seems like it's on the cusp because he lost his perfect pitch when he lost a few breaths so i think he's yeah. on the 500 level okay but breaths may not be the only way to do that oh no 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 yeah they're just that's just the only breath. way that's the only way we've seen so far but that's right. not necessarily the only way to to get the don't age anymore immortality. Well, um, as a side note, real quick, uh, just talking about breaths. Keep in mind, he was using breaths to hold his memory. We know Vasher does the same thing, which is why Vasher doesn't go 100% crazy despite being a, a, um, a cognitive shadow. Like, he's not, like, completely... Uh, I, th I think it's a word of Brandon that just having so many memories and trying to, like, store all those is essentially what starts degrading a cognitive shadow. So... The fact that Vasher's able to store his memories and breath is an important thing. And Hoyd was doing the same thing with his breaths. Anyway, the point I was getting to was, presumably, Hoyd has had access to this fortune-y manipulation thing the whole time. Or at least early enough that we haven't seen him get it. Like, we don't know where it comes from. So, he's probably played around with it enough to, at this point, just sort of go along with it. Just trust that whatever Fortune is having him do is the best thing. The way he's using Fortune, we believe, is a completely different way of using Investor that we haven't seen yet. Because it's not it's not Furukami. He doesn't have access to Furukami, or at least he did it in the past. There's a chance by this book he does based on the shenanigans that Kelstier did. So there might be a way for him to tap Fortune in that way. Um, but aside from that, we don't have any other way of accessing fortune we know. Well, there's a ferrochemical fortune store, which means right, that that's there's what also... I said. Yeah. Aside from Furukami, but as far as we know, in the past, in the older books, that's not how he used... Like, that's not how he was tapping fortune. Right. He 
he became an Alamancer later. I mean, yep. he might have been a Farukamist. I don't think so. Well, he I, founded I mean, he founded the World Se- Singers, the World which, Singers, yeah. right? The Terrace World Singers. Yeah, like in Mistborn Era One. Previous to that, they existed before. Well, I mean, Era One is anyway. Yeah, he founded that organization, so he could also be a full. Oh, oh you're, you're talking about in Stormlight Archives those World Singers. I'm also talking about the the Terrace group that whose name sounds similar, and I'm blanking on it. There's World Singers and World Bringers. Yeah, both of those. He founded both. Did he? Yeah. I don't remember that. Um, and if we see another, like, third organization that sounds also similar, like World Thingers, that's him too. So when, when did we get where... So according to the Coppermine Wiki, World Bringers are pre-Final Empire spiritual leaders. It doesn't mention that Hoyd found them at all. I could have sworn we we knew that from something. I mean, there's no links to Crap. any World of Brandon on the Coppermine wiki, but there's a chance it's just not written here. Am I making stuff up again? I could be. Guys, don't listen to me. Why Why do you listen to this podcast? Don't. I know he was a world singer, and he trained one of the uh, Bridge 4 members. Yeah. So, I, I, unfortunately, I forget his name, but yeah. I also forget it. I'm forgetting a lot. Dude, my brain does not work. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. So should we go ahead and end the episode here? Because apparently I'm not remembering anything and also just making things up. And that's Yeah, because bad. The, longer, the longer we go, the more stuff we forget. I mean, I'm enjoying this, but yes, we can end the episode. All right. I'm going to throw out one more intentionally made up thing. Nightblood created Scadrial. And we're out. Bye, everybody. Good Bye. night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made-Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.